0: Everyone, we hope your Friday is off to a good start already. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Frary and Smith podcast. Last week, the Sunbelt West made a huge statement going four and two, including three upset victories, none bigger than that Southern Miss victory over Tulane. Meanwhile, it was the East Division teams that had an uncharacteristically down week that saw both App State and Marshall suffer defeats. As we head into week five, though, the schedule brings us some marquee matchups, including South Alabama visiting Louisiana, along with several divisional matchups with postseason implications. Jaden, we have not lacked for storylines so far this year. What are you expecting out of Week 5?
1: No, the Sunbelts definitely kept us busy and kept us having stuff to talk about, that's for sure. But for Week 5, man, I'm just, again, another week that I'm excited to see some of these teams finally play each other. I feel like we've been trying to measure these teams a lot based on what they've done and who they've played in non-conference matchups. But now we finally get to see some of these teams, some teams in the East go up against each other, some teams in the West go up against each other and really start to map out and see, what this conference championship race is going to look like. That's what I'm most excited about this week, and just going forward with all of this conference play we have coming up.
0: A lot of great games coming up this weekend, and in today's episode, we're going to be previewing the most games that we've ever previewed here on the Frarian & Smith Podcast. But before we get to the rest of the games, Caden, what do you say? Is it time to talk about our game of the week? Yeah,
1: this has been the game of the year for me. We talked about it coming into the season. and I think we've always been waiting for this one is as, as what the West was going to be. And but South Alabama, man, we were the stock on this team versus the stock on ULL, I think has changed a lot since the beginning of the season. So let's just get into this game of the week, man. There's definitely a lot to talk about.
0: Yeah, Louisiana, South Alabama. This game is going to take place over in Cajun land at 5 p.m. on ESPN Plus on Saturday night, uh, expecting a great game here Uh, You know, these two teams come in on completely different trajectories. And, Caden, this matchup has a chance to, you know, maybe ruin our friendships a little bit. Obviously, I took Louisiana to win the West. You took South Alabama. You're looking a lot better than I am. But, I mean, Louisiana does have that history, so we'll see how it goes. You know, Louisiana's coming into this game. They're coming off of their first loss in 378 days. And, Caden, I think this even further shows the strength that Louisiana has been over the last several years. That loss that they suffered to ULM was their first loss to a divisional opponent since 2018. How do they rebound coming off of that loss to ULM?
1: Well, I think the biggest question for them is, are they going to stick with one quarterback? I think that's really what's holding them back. This offense we talked about on this podcast hasn't looked great. The defense has been put in a position where they're the ones who are out here to win games. So I think for ULL, the biggest question is going to be, do they stick with one quarterback? I think that's more important than who they pick at this point. It's do they stick with one and keep it consistent? I mean, it's clear that both of these quarterbacks, they're not going to go out there and win a game for them. I mean, I don't think either of them are explosive enough players and dynamic as some of the other quarterbacks we're seeing in this conference that they're going to have to go head-to-head with, including the one they're going to have to face on the South Alabama side. So I'm really looking for them to just stick with one quarterback in this game and let them sort it out because I think that would go a long way for them this season. But I think that's the number one thing to look at just because their offensive identity is kind of a question mark. I think an even bigger concern than who's going to start at quarterback and if they're going to start the whole game. Is can they run the ball? That's been a staple of their offense for such a long time. And just to see them only have 107 yards per game on the ground is really horrible. So they're going to have to figure out their offensive identity very fast in this game if they want to win it.
0: And the crazy thing is, they're playing a team in South Alabama that has quite literally figured out their identity on nearly every unit. Their offense has been dominant all year long, their defense has looked really good. And then last week, they go and throw in special teams and have a punt return touchdown. South Alabama's firing on all cylinders, and Caden, I think the big question for me is, can they still get better this year?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's going to be a tough one. I mean, they're playing really good ball right now, and we talked about them on the last pod really firing on all cylinders, offense, defense, special teams. That's a very dangerous team and a dangerous combination for anyone to face, and we had our power rankings that came out, and people felt a lot of different ways about them, but I think I could argue that South Alabama might not be the best and number one in our power rankings right now, but I definitely think they're the most dangerous because I think out of all the teams, they have the – most confidence in the football they're playing right now. So I don't know if they can get better and better and better and we'll see how they go. But right now they have every reason to be confident in their team and every fast in their game. And I think that's what makes them really, truly the most dangerous team in this league right now.
0: Hey, you mentioned those power rankings and I got hammered on Twitter for taking (laughs) app state over James Madison. So we had a lot of fun with that. I hope that we repaid the favor by having Chris Thornton on the podcast on Wednesday. So hopefully I'm back in the good graces with Dukes fans, but I got hammered for that one. I think it's an interesting conversation to have. We'll talk a little bit more about James Madison in a minute. But, you know, Louisiana, the one thing that they still have intact right now is they've won 11 straight games at home. And Kaden, you're a player who's played at Cajun Field. And I just wanted to ask, what about that environment makes it so challenging for road teams?
1: Yeah. So first of all, it's one of the bigger stadiums in the conference. I remember the first time, because you, you get off the bus, you walk on the field for the first time just before you go into the locker room, and you're like, is this a, this a Sunbelt Stadium? Like This is actually very big. And you see some of those re- retired numbers they have. You forget they have some NFL alumni, some familiar names. So it's a very big and intimidating stadium. And on top of that, their fan base is very strong. When is good, you'll see their fans out there tailgating, constantly making noise throughout the game. So it's definitely a tough place. But I will say, the toughness of playing at ULL is very much predicated on how good they are. It's not one of those App State JMU fan bases that's going to sell out regardless of what's going on. It's very much predicated on how good they are. So it's going to be interesting to see how their fans turn out for this one. It's a 5 o'clock game. They're have they're coming off of two straight losses. hasn't happened in a while. I remember the championship game there was absolutely electric, and that's probably the peak of what you're going to see as far as a the crowd there. But I'm very interested to see what kind of crowd turns out for this one. And we saw how critical their fan base was on that Twitter space this weekend. So... The chirping is, the fans are definitely in the conversation and they're getting in the the locker room a little bit for sure as far as what kind of team it's going to be this year. So I think it's going to be a good crowd, but I think it's also going to be a very critical crowd as well.
0: One of the big things for South Alabama, the early season storylines has been the emergence of Carter Bradley, at quarterback. He's been outstanding. He probably has put himself amongst that upper echelon of quarterbacks in the Sun Belt. Caden, when you watch him play, is there an area that you really think that he could still improve as this season goes?
1: It's going to be tough. I mean, I think it's a very sim- similar situ- situation with Grayson McCall. They're not asking Carter Bradley to do too much, but what they're asking of him is perfect. They're not asking him to may- be Superman out there. He's very reliant on the run game because they do have a good run game. And then additionally, you have a great receiver in Jalen Wayne, but you saw it last game. He only had two grabs last game. He passed it to 10 different pass catchers. So I think he's shown that he knows the offense well enough and has their offense, confident enough in him where they know he's going to drive the ball down the field. He's going to keep the change moving and he's going to score for them. So he's doing everything you could ask. I don't think he's as threatening as a Todd and Teo, as a Grayson McCall, but those are just the very, very, very elite caliber quarterbacks. But the most important thing to do, man, is just have that team have confidence in you and know that they can win behind you. And he has that right now. So I called my shot. I thought Carter Bradley was going to be made for this league. I thought he did some really good stuff at his previous school at Toledo, and I thought his game would translate very well, especially to the Western side of this conference which we're now seeing the stock going up a little bit more and more and more. But I'm really excited to watch him play in this one because I think this is really truly his biggest game as a Sun Belt athlete.
0: Kane, I know you're a defensive guy, and the one thing that Louisiana has done consistently well throughout this season is play good defense despite kind of the struggles on offense. But they're taking on a South Alabama team that through four games is averaging 39 points a game. Is the key to this game forcing turnovers where Louisiana has been so good this year? I think
1: their biggest thing is going to really just be maximizing the time they have on the field because you're not going to know what you're going to get out of that offense. You might be on the field for the whole game. You might be on the field a little bit longer, shorter, whatever it's going to be. I think they're going to have to maximize their minutes. They're going to have to try to control the pace, get three and outs, and get off the field as fast as they can because this South Alabama team is going to be able to drive the ball on the field. They've been doing it against everybody. They've been driving the ball on everybody. So it's going to be about can ULL stop them and stop explosive plays because that's really what hurt them last week. I mean, they had a 75-yard run and an 89-yard pass last week. That's half of the yards they gave up. They played a great game. That would have been 14 points off of the board for them, but those two plays were 164 yards, and the next thing you know, they're losing. So I think if they can limit the big plays and get off the field very fast, it's going to be a very interesting game.
0: It's going to be interesting in this one. South Alabama comes in as the favorite, but history not on their side. South Alabama, they've lost the last six games when taking on Louisiana. They are 0-5 all-time in Lafayette. Kane, I found this interesting, too. Two of the last three meetings between these two teams have been decided by 10 points or less. So despite maybe some of the struggles for Louisiana, the strength of South Alabama, I would expect this to be a close one and definitely will be worth tuning into. Again, that game at 5 p.m. on ESPN Plus on Saturday night, our game of the week. Well, Kane, let's move on uh, and talk about a team that pulled off, you know, kind of an upset last week. You can call it that. Uh, And that's James Madison. They're going to travel and take on a Texas state program that we really haven't talked much about early on um, on this podcast, but that game's going to take place at one 30 on ESPN plus it's going to be in the high eighties at kickoff. And you have to imagine that that's going to maybe play a little bit of a role in this game. James Madison, obviously practicing in some cooler weather, They head to Texas for what will be the first ever meeting between Texas State and James Madison.
1: Yeah, we can do a whole pod about who has the best home field advantage in the Sunbelt, depending on the time of year and stuff like that. But I'll tell you one thing, San Marcos anytime before November is hot and it's hot for most teams, especially on the East that are coming over, except for those boys from coastal who are by the beach, but I'll never forget some of those games we played and, pregame warm-ups, you're sweating a little bit, you have your pads on. Sometimes the coaches go pads off for some games like that. It's definitely going to be a hot environment. It's definitely going to be a different kind of challenge for JMU. I don't think it's going to be a huge challenge compared to what they've seen in App State and how dominant they've been in their past games. But Thankfully, Texas is going to be hot, but Toddy Touchdowns is looking much hotter right now. I mean, he's playing lights out, leaving the team with his legs and his arm right now. We saw what he did last week, and we have talked a ton about what he's been doing. So I obviously think he's going to be a huge part of this game and a way bigger part than the weather, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, let's be honest. This James Madison offense does not need any additional lubricant. They are firing on all cylinders looking smooth out there right now. This is a James Madison team that received votes in the most recent AP and USA Today polls. Caden, does that surprise you?
1: It honestly does. And I think it really says more about the respectability of this conference. I mean, I don't think anyone was looking at their first two weeks as very credible wins. And that's why they weren't really in that conversation. They were supposed to beat those teams and they beat them better than I think anyone could have expected. But then to beat App State the way they did, I think it really shows, okay, if you beat a high-level Sunbelt team, they're starting to really respect how you shake out in the conference and how you're making it out of this conference. So I think they asserted themselves last week for sure as a force in this conference. And I think it's nice to see that the coaches and the polls and everyone who's voting for that respected that.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's, that's a great point there. It definitely goes to show just the respect of the conference. And I think it goes to show how a lot of people feel about that app state program, despite some of maybe the early season struggles, which is maybe a feather in the cap to my power ranking a little bit, but uh, we won't get into, into that anymore. You know, Looking at this game, I think the difference maker is going to be Todd Santeo. Again, he's currently fifth in the NCAA in points responsible for, 10th in pass efficiency, 12th in passing touchdowns. If you listen to Wednesday's episode, we talked with Chris Thornton, and he talked a lot about the leadership of Santeo. And he's come in and really has set the standard here for this team on offense this season.
1: No, 100%. I think... I'm not going to get too much more in depth about Todd because he's we can just do a whole pod where we gush about him because he's like the, the way he's a dual threat is so much different than a lot of other of these dual threats we see in the conference. Like I don't want to compare him to Cam Newton and get too lofty, but he's such a physical runner with his legs and he's really proven that in the pocket and outside of the pocket. He's just as effective. So that's a whole other pod. But I think JMU's defense is going to be a big part of this game in my book. Obviously, they've been phenomenal against the run all year. And conveniently, Texas State can't run the ball. They haven't proven they can run the ball all year. So I think that's going to be a good matchup for them. And I think they always like to have that extra man in the box. And I think they might not even need that extra man in the box. I think they can play with who they roll down into coverage, who they rolled down into the, the run game. And I think they're going to be able, be able to get after the quarterback a lot, get after the run game a lot, and do some really fun things on the JMU side. So I would look for the JMU defense to be a little bit more exotic and free and just flowing in this game, knowing that they really don't have to worry about the run game because they already have that down pack. And on top of that, Texas State does not have that down packed on the offensive side.
0: Yeah, it's a laughable 28 and a half yards per game allowed so far for that JMU defense. But meanwhile, we talk about the quarterback for James Madison and then Really, in stark contrast, Lane Hatcher, he's kind of had a little bit of a disappointing season here to begin the year. On Twitter the other day, I tweeted out the QBR ratings, which kind of looks at the quality of how a quarterback is playing throughout the season. He's currently last among starting quarterbacks in the Sun Belt. He's thrown for 10 passing touchdowns, but he's really been hurt by the interceptions this season, Caden.
1: Yeah, it's a tough situation. He's in. I don't think he has very many explosive receivers outside playing for him, and then the run, can, the run game isn't going like we've talked about before. So I think he'd have to play the game of his life to even stand toe-to-toe with Todd in this game. I mean, Todd's playing such a high level of football, and Lane can keep your team in a game. I think if your defense shows up right and it's a close game, he's the kind of quarterback you want. If You're kind of scared of when you have a late-game drive. You're also a little bit scared about the interceptions going to be He's going to throw as well. But he's just one of those typical run and gun Sunbelt quarterbacks that if the game is close, it's always interesting. But if it gets out of hand and that run game's not there for him and his receivers aren't making plays for him, then it makes him have to play a little bit out of his element. And that's where you see some of those sloppy interceptions and things like that. So the more help he gets out of his supporting cast along with his defense, I think the better he's off in this game. But that's asking a lot going up against this JMU team.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would have to imagine in this game if Texas State has a hope and a prayer. I think they're a 22 and a half point underdog if my memory serves me, but they're going to need those standout skill players like Ashton Hawkins, who's had 34 catches, a little over 300 yards, five touchdowns. Calvin Hill, the running back who has over 300 yards. Those guys need to show up in this game if Texas State hopes to stay in it at all with James Madison.
1: Yeah, and I think another thing that we can can point out right now, Noah, ask me who the best secondary is statistically right now in the Sunbelt Conference.
0: Caden, who's the best secondary in the Sunbelt Conference statistically?
1: It's Texas State. I mean, they got some DBs over there they can cover a little bit. Now, does this have something to do with the fact that they held Houston Christian to like 103 yards in the air last week? Yes, but they also held Baylor to 208 the week before. Their secondary has shown they can hold up a little bit. They're holding teams to 176 yards per game in the air, which is pretty nice. And they're in the Sunbelt, so running is going to be a priority. But they're about to see Todd and those receivers who are going to be throwing the ball. But maybe the secondary plays well get their their hands on some of those balls and, and play right and keep them in this game. But that's definitely one of the strengths of their team coming into this one. So hopefully they can hold up a little bit better and try to keep this elite passing attack down from JMU.
0: I think the one thing to know in this, James Madison comes in. They're just one of 21 unbeaten FBS programs remaining at this point in the season. Coastal Carolina, James Madison are the only remaining group of five teams that still remain undefeated heading into week five. Well, now let's talk about another one of the undefeated teams in the conference, a team that, Caden, you and I have gotten very high on very quickly, and that was in large part to just seeing them in person, the type of style that they play, and that's Coastal Carolina. They're taking on Georgia Southern this weekend. This is a game that perhaps has a little bit of a chance to maybe be affected by that weather from Hurricane Ian that's coming through Florida and could perhaps sneak up into the Carolinas, so watch out for that. But it's currently scheduled at 4 p.m. on ESPN Plus on Saturday. And, you know, last year Coastal Carolina went down to Statesboro. They won twenty-eight to eight and you know looked really good in that. But this is not your, you know, this is not your grandma's Georgia Southern team anymore. They are <laughs> chucking the ball around the yard. They're scoring a lot of points. And Caden, I think, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give up my pick yet, but this is a game that Georgia Southern could win.
1: Oh, a hundred percent! I think I'm super excited about this one. Out of all the matchups we have this week, and I'm really excited about this one just because we have two of the best throwers of the football in the conference. You're going to see Grayson McCall, who's just perennial, bit, perennial, perennially been the premier quarterback of this conference as far as efficiency, and then you have Van who comes on the scene throwing the ball left and right, 400-yard games, 500-yard games. So super excited about just watching these two quarterbacks duke it out. And I think the most interesting dynamic of that is we watched, and we've talked about, we watched this coastal offense perform in person, and it was really just a beautiful thing to see and how efficient it was. And I think for every way you could look at how efficient and just how perfectly run the coastal offense is. That's how great Georgia Southern is. It just simply flat out throwing the ball and getting yards up there. I mean, they have 500 yards, 509 yards of offense per game. That's the most in the conference. It's number 10 in the country. So I'm really excited to see some offensive fireworks on this one.
0: Yeah. I think the big concern heading into this one is what is Grayson McCall's status in this? He got banged up late in that game against Georgia state. He has been practicing this week, but we've told that he's not been at full strength and, Here's the interesting thing about this matchup. Grayson McCall has never played quarterback against Georgia Southern. The last two times these teams met Grayson McCall also missed those games as well. So I know that that's crazy to think about, but he's never played Georgia Southern. And to me, that's a huge question mark in this game. Is he going to play first and foremost? And then ultimately, how healthy will he be?
1: You just impressed me with that stat. I did not know that. Grayson McCall has never played Georgia Southern. Hats off to you for that stat, but that is crazy. But no, we saw in person, we failed to mention it for a couple podcasts. That's on us, but Grayson did get a little tangled up in the fourth quarter of that game, he got his legs wrapped up and a little bit twisted and he came out of the game and it was the end of the fourth quarter and it was over against Georgia State anyway. So we didn't really expect them to see him back in there just to risk further injury. But it is going to be interesting to see if he plays for one and if he does play how his mobility is because how this offense, I'm not going to say it's predicated on his mobility, but it's a huge part of what they do. I mean, they get him running latterly, laterally even when he's not Necessarily running the ball as far as pitching it in the option game, and he does use his legs a lot to extend plays and even run in the red zone. Especially, he's a super big threat as far as getting into the end zone. But I also think it's going to be interesting to look at some of these other injuries they have with Lance Boykin and, DeJor- and Jordan Strong, who missed last week. The corner position is going to be huge in this game with the firepower that Georgia Southern's going to be bringing from offense. So I think these two corners playing in this game will be big as well. If those two guys are playing, I think you saw some mistakes and some busted coverages that happened in the Georgia State game, some explosive plays. I just don't see those happening as much on the back end. It would be a lot less characteristic if these two guys were in there. So if they get Grayson and those two cornerbacks they have to be feeling very very good about this one
0: I think you had to be reading my notes because that was my next point right there and (laughs) I think it's going to be huge to have them back obviously this Georgia Southern offense has been dynamic this season they're 10th in the FBS in yards per game averaging over 500 yards per game at this point 15th in passing yards so they've been really good there but I think one area that has almost gone unnoticed that Georgia Southern has been so good at this year is their ability to convert third down. They're converting 61% of third downs this year, uh, which is fourth in the FBS. And Caden, from your perspective, what has made them so good in that department this season?
1: It's two things. It's effective play calling and it's, Kyle, it's Trees, Like, it's them too. Like, they're calling the perfect plays on third down. They always have somebody sitting over the sticks or around the sticks and they keep a good variety of even running the ball on third down and catching teams off of guard with that. So I think it's a combination of their great play calling on third down and keeping those chains moving and keeping the, really staying balanced as well and keeping the defense guessing on, oh, is this going to be a pass? We have to defend the sticks, but Trees could also throw it over the top and we have to worry about the run. I think when you look at this team, Georgia Southern's kind of style of offense they're running right now. If they went into overtime, I think they'd be a very effective team on a shorter field. So I think in those short yardage and shorter field situations, they kind of just thrive. They always stay ahead of the chain. So it's never really third and long for them to too much. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can stay ahead of the chains in this one against Coastal defense, who we talked about. Still good, still consistent, not as dominant as they looked before. So I think Vantrese is going to be able to move the chains and get the ball moving on this one for sure.
0: Okay, now I am firing on all cylinders tonight because I think the next stat I'm about to give you is even going to further impress you. And I'd love to take the credit for these, but Brian Ellis and Kevin Davis, the SIDs uh, for these schools um, are are, are outstanding. Brian Ellis, actually the offensive coordinator uh, at Georgia Southern. But the SIDs, outstanding. Georgia Southern's offensive line, Caden, they went 182 passing attempts to start the season before giving up their first sack of the year. Their first sack didn't come to the fourth quarter of game number four this year. Part of the reason I bring that up is we talk about Vantrese, and one of the things that he's been able to do this year is create big plays. And this Georgia Southern offense, they have seven plays of over 40 yards this year. Four have come through the air, three via the run. And they've just been a a, a big play type offense, and that's a fun offense to watch.
1: No, it's definitely fun to watch, and it's great to see that the offensive line who's used to just traditionally doing the triple option game, cutting cutting linebackers and cutting ends, just turning into a fantastic pass blocking unit. Such a great story and such a great evolution and a quick evolution into this new offense. But just as excited as as we are about this offense, I have to play devil's advocate and be the defensive guy I am. One thing that Georgia State is just a very simple stat that they're very bad at is defending the run they're the worst run defense in the league right now 215 yards a, 215 yards a game for them and we saw how dynamic and interesting and hard to defend this coastal run game is and that's one of the strengths and pillars of this offense so as h- exciting as it is to talk about the explosive passing attack of Georgia Southern and even what Co- coastal can bring to the table is a passing attack, you have to worry about coastal's defense in this one because they're going to have a tall task having to defend this very interesting and hard and intricate run scheme that they're going up against with coastal
0: going to be a great game in that one. And as we move on, we move on to a game that the home team has won the previous three meetings. And that is an in-state rivalry game between Liberty and old dominion. Liberty comes in two and one over the last three meetings. Although ODU and Caden, I think this is going to be a big factor in this game. They're riding a five game home winning streak. It's very hard to win at ODU's home and SB Ballard. Um, You know, I think the big question heading into this game is which offense are we going to see from Old Dominion? Are we going to see the offense that scored 29 points in the second half last week, or are we going to see the team that's been closer to averaging 23 points over the entire game? To me, the answer to that question might decide this game.
1: No, hundred percent, and another great, evenly matched game. I think this is a very exciting one. This will be ODU's last non-conference game, I believe, and we've been—it's been great to just watch them play in these non-conference matchups. But if you look at all of these teams, they've been playing in close games all season long so I think that also ups the ante of this one a little bit and you talked about how good these guys have been at home that's why I took them last week I just like the energy they have in that home crowd of their first upset win followed up by a good win against Arkansas State and you're hoping like you talked about the offense is going to be a big part of this I think you saw Hayden Wolf last week finally go out there and not just manage the game but go out there and win it he was feeding Ali Jennings he was feeding Zach Koontz and it looks like that's going to be the formula to success for this offense this year, because it's very clear that they cannot run the ball. And unless they learn how to run the ball, just like in one week's worth of practice, I don't think they're going to be able to rely on that Rome was not built in the day, but I think if they figure out what they're good at on offense, which it looks like they figured it out last week, they figured out their bread and butter plays. They can run with those two guys. I think we could see more of the offense we saw last week. And obviously, hopefully for them, that's what they want to see.
0: Let's be honest. Liberty had trouble In week one against another Sunbelt defense in Southern Miss. That game went to four overtime before Liberty hung on and won that game. This is a very good Old Dominion defense. They're led by Jason Henderson, who currently leads the country in tackles. Had 21 last week, Caden. 21, I'll repeat it. An outstanding performance. And Old Dominion also, it went almost unnoticed. Seven sacks in that game against Arkansas State. They don't normally give up that many sacks. This is a very good Old Dominion offense and is going to give Liberty fits in this game.
1: No, Henderson's an absolute mo- monster. I mean, it's it's him and Carlton Marshall right now as far as who's just playing sideline to sideline linebacker and just staying and sniffing near the ball the whole time. So I'm definitely excited to watch this Old Dominion defense. And you talked about them getting in the backfield. I mean, they're the number one team. It's them and Southern Miss right now as far as sacks per game. They've got 14 a game. And Liberty was missing their quarterback last week. They got Caden Salter as their normal guy, their dual threat quarterback. And it's going to be very interesting to see if he plays in this game, because I think that kind of is where Old Dominion up front can make a difference. They've played plenty of mobile quarterbacks this year. They've seen Holden Aylers. They've seen Brendan Armstrong. They've seen guys like this. So they're accustomed to playing these mobile quarterbacks and still being able to get after it. So I think, like you said, that pass rush on them up front is going to be a huge part of this game. And I think if, when they're at home, they are just a, they bring it up and notch it up to a different level. So I'm excited no matter who the quarterback is for Liberty in this game to see them get after him up front for Old Dominion.
0: Here's my biggest concern heading into this game if you're Old Dominion, and that's the fact that each one of their opponents this year have scored first in a game. And it gets a little bit worse than that. Old Dominion, they have trailed by double digits in three of their four games this season. The only exception that first victory of the year against Vod tech, this is an old dominion team. That's got to start quicker on offense. They've got to get some good chunk plays here going early against Liberty.
1: Yeah. And it's funny, just my, my football mindset of that just thinks like, okay, well, if those are the stats that are showing for them, and they're still able to pull out some wins here. This is probably one of the more battle-tested teams. I mean, in the but we're looking at teams that have blown a lot of teams out. This team has played in no blowout games. They've played in close ones. They've played it behind. So, if they can figure out some of these pieces and get some easy wins under their belt and just help themselves out as far as scoring first, staying ahead of the chains, being a little bit more efficient on offense, helping the defense out a little bit, I think we could see a lot of good potential in this team and see them get better throughout the season because they're 2-2 two and two right now, and they've had to earn every single one of their wins, and all their losses have been tough. So, I think as far as getting getting their offense going. I think they got to go to Ali Jennings a little bit more. I mean, he's doing incredible things. He's second in the nation right now in receiving yards, but he has way less catches than everybody else on that list. He has like 24 catches. Dudes on the list with 30, 40 catches. And I think he's been there for a big play receiver guy for you to make those big explosive plays. But I think if you just go to him early and get some more easy access stuff, that'll help them throw the first punch a little bit more and help that offense get going.
0: I have to imagine, too, this game comes down to who can force more takeaways in this contest. Liberty comes in fourth nationally with 12 forced turnovers this year. Old Dominion not far behind with 10. They're tied for eighth nationally. I feel like this is a game that is a defensive back, a safety cadence, that you have to be kind of licking your chops a little bit.
1: No, 100%. If you look at the nature of both of these teams, really, and the kind of games they play and in the gritty defensive wins they've been able to pull out throughout the season, it's one of those games where, as a defensive player, you feel like you can make a difference. You're in the locker room before the game listening to some of the music we heard our boy <laughs> Chris Thorne talk about. We heard... I. um Josiah Stewart talk about before the game, you can lock in before this game and say, okay, if I make the turnover in this game, if I can make a big play in this game, it could be huge. And I think ODU saw it this year in their first game. They had some big interceptions, some big fumble recoveries. That were the reason why they beat Virginia Tech in that opener. If these guys come into this game, lock in and really emphasize getting the ball on the ground, making that big momentum play, especially in the second half, it's going to be a huge game. So I'm definitely excited to see some potentially big explosive defensive plays as well.
0: Hey, true story here. If you have not listened to the interviews with Chris Thornton, Chase Bryce, Josiah Stewart, uh, do because... I've added some of those songs to my workout playlist and I can tell you my bench press has gone up just by changing my music. (laughs) So it's well worth listening to just a shameless plug there, but let's move on to a game that I think could be pretty interesting in that, in this, in this game. And that's ULM versus Arkansas state. This game is going to take place in Monroe. It's at 7 PM on ESPN plus Arkansas state has won the last 12 meetings in this series, but this is, dare I say, a hot ULM team coming off of a big upset victory over Louisiana.
1: Dare you say it, man. Could we say this is the biggest program win in the recent history for ULM? I mean, we'll Might see be. how ULL season we'll see how ULL season goes, and that'll kind of give us a better barometer of how big this win is, but you gotta love ULM's momentum in this one, man. You saw the celebration they had after that game. Super excited win for this one. You have to like the momentum they're bringing into this one versus Ark State coming off of a three-point loss, a tough loss to per usual ODU who only plays in tough game. So it's gonna be very interesting to see which team comes out and starts faster in this game. Is it going to be the home team who has a little bit something more to prove coming off of what I called before is almost a a must win game that they lost because ODU just comes into the conference and kind of picks on Arkansas State as the two win team from the year before and gets that win. And then ULM, you kind of have your chest out a little bit. You beat the former conference champ. You're feeling yourself a little bit. So I'm excited to see how this game starts and ends really. It's going to be a fun one, I think, from beginning to end.
0: I think the biggest difference this week compared to last week for ULM is they will be facing a team that has an identity on offense and has gotten really strong quarterback play in James Blackman this year. He's averaging about 68% completion. He's thrown for close to a thousand yards, five touchdowns. So a much tougher challenge actually with a team that has a quarterback.
1: Yeah, I mean, Blackman's been efficient in a lot of these these recent games. And I think he's shown that he can put up numbers and really carry an offense to lighting up the scoreboard. But for some reason, if you just look at last year and historically, it hasn't really translated for wins. So I think if you're ULM in this one, you know what you're getting out of Blackman. You know what he can do. Try to game plan as best as you can around that. Understand that he's probably going to get you a couple times. You want your secondary to hold up as best as they can. But that can all happen, and they can still win. I mean, ULM is is feeling scrappy, and they're feeling good about themselves. And no matter how good Arkansas State has looked, in the past couple games, you can look at last year and say, okay, that was that was a two-win team, and they got one of those wins on us. So, I mean, how good could they possibly be if you're looking at them from a ULM perspective?
0: It feels like this game could be one in the trenches. This is a ULM team that comes in. Pretty good running game so far this year, over 190 yards in two of their four games. The two that they didn't hit it was against Alabama and Texas, just much better athletes on those teams' defenses. Um, but, Meanwhile, Arkansas State, they really defend the run well. They're fifth best in the Sun Belt this season. So you have to imagine that this game is going to kind of be one in the trenches perhaps.
1: Yeah, it's definitely tough to say with that one just because of how explosive Arkansas State's passing attack is really compared to everything else they do. But both teams up front have proven that they can play nasty in the trenches and do what they have to do. I think ULM's run game is really what helped them and kept them in the conversation throughout the entirety of that long battle with ULL. So I think it's definitely going to be interesting to watch both of these teams up front and the trenches could be a huge part of it. But I also think both of these teams are just very evenly matched. I think in both areas, they aren't super duper better at one thing than the other. I mean, Arkansas, Arkansas State's th- throws the ball a little bit better and they defend the run a little bit better. But other than that, I think both of these teams are pretty evenly matched. So I think it's going to come down to that trench work and it's going to come down to those simple coach speak things you hear about all the time. Who can control the ball, who can turn it over less, who can win up front. So I'm excited to see who plays the most mistake free football in this game because that might end up being what really decides it as well.
0: Yeah. I think another big difference in this game is Arkansas state does come in with a couple of dangerous weapons. You've got the wide receiver champ Fleming's outside that tight end. Sadu Triore has been pretty good this year, that pair combining for three touchdowns and 465 yards. So I think Arkansas State might have the better weapons in this game. But again, this is an Arkansas State roster, fourth youngest in the FBS this season, over 79% of the team is an underclassman, seven starters in every game this year have been underclassmen. And I think that is probably creating some of that inconsistency that maybe we've seen this year.
1: Yeah, they definitely do have some weapons. You're 100% right about that, but they are young. So I'm definitely interested to see how these young weapons play and really the first bounce-back test of the year. Okay, like You can throw away the ODU game. It's in the past. Experienced players can look at those games, those conference losses, and bounce back from them, play a good game the next week. I think it's going to be very interesting to see if these skilled players step up to the occasion in this game, especially from a ULM team that has all-time confidence. They're going to be home. It's going to be at night. That wolf is going to be howling. They're going to have those waterfalls in the corner. I don't know if you've been to the Arkansas State game, but I love their stadium. It's a great stadium. It's a great vibe there. So I'm interested to see how these young guys play in the, under these bright lights in the, their first conference game at home.
0: I plan to get to Arkansas State Stadium at some point, but I tend to not have a lot of reasons to go to the state of Arkansas. So <laughs> haven't been Fair. there yet, but I have always heard good things uh, about that stadium. So I think we'll definitely have to uh, make an effort for you and I to maybe try to make it out to a game there. Let's move on and talk about the final game that we're going to preview this week. And that's a really, really interesting game. It's Troy at Western Kentucky. Uh, two teams that have been very good to start the year, two teams with quarterbacks firing on all cylinders. And Kane, this harkens back to the old rivalry days when Western Kentucky was in the Sun Belt. This is the first time that these teams have played since 2013, when at the time they were both Sun Belt members. So, I think this one's going to be a lot of fun and probably could be one of the better games that we see this weekend.
1: No, again, another great matchup, and I think it's one of the better non-conference matchups you could have picked for this one. Obviously, Troy's feeling really good after that Marshall game, played in a tough, gritty win where they won 16-7, to but I think this is going to be a completely different game from them. I mean, I, I saw Western Kentucky pop up on my phone when I looked up the matchups for this week, and I had some PTSD. No, I'm not going to lie. 73 nothing. Yeah, I mean, this team—that they, that's what they, that's what they did last week. But they put up 59 points on my App State defense, and Bailey Zappi broke Joe Burrow's record right on, on our heads. And it was—it was one of the crazier games to be in, and just see. It was one of those things where you watch this offense work on film, and you're like, okay, like. They're doing great. They look really good, but there's no way they do that against us, right? And then week after week, they're putting up points and points and points. So I think this game is going to be all about if Troy's passing attack can keep up with their passing attack and if their offense or their defense, sorry, can slow down this, this offense because this offense is extremely high-powered and they are going to throw the ball everywhere.
0: Yeah, you. I mean, that's, that's the key in this game. Western Kentucky comes in. They've scored over 30 points per game in 18 straight games. So you know they're going to get theirs. Then it comes down to, can Troy pick up a couple of stops in this game? They've held opponents to 21 points per game. It's going to be really challenging because Western Kentucky does one thing well, and that is put points on the scoreboard with ease.
1: No, 100%. This game is going to be a glorified seven on seven. I don't know how much defense is going to be played, but I think whoever plays more defense is definitely going to win. That's for sure. And it's interesting. You look at both of these quarterbacks, you got Gunnar Watson, and you got my man Austin Reed over here. They've both thrown for the exact same amount of attempts. They've both thrown 143 passes, but you got five touchdowns, five interceptions for Gunnar Watson. Austin Reed's thrown 14 touchdowns and three interceptions. So that obviously has a little bit to do with who they're playing. But I think if you're Troy and you're looking at this Western Kentucky team it's like all right we have an offense we have to keep up with they're going to throw the ball around the yard and they're a little more experienced in this 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 air raid type of offense than we are so they kind of might have the model almost of what they're doing they might be stealing some pages out of their playbook and seeing how they can open it up in the same way they um that Western Kentucky has so I'm excited to watch both of these quarterbacks duel it out and I think it's definitely going to come down to the right arm of both of these quarterbacks
0: yeah you mentioned former division two standout Austin Reed and I've had a front seat to watch his career. I grew up down in Pensacola, watched them during his national championship season. Kane, one thing you probably don't know is about two years ago, um, I actually called a softball game with Austin Reed as my color analyst at the University of West Florida. So very well connected to Austin and really excited to see what he's been doing this year. He was a very good Division II quarterback, set all sorts of records, but now he's translated it to this level and You mentioned the 14 touchdowns that he has this year. He's fourth currently right now in all of Division I. Caden, here's the names that he's trailing right now. I just had to dig and figure this out. C.J. Stroud, who you might know, a Heisman Trophy candidate at Ohio (laughs) State. Will Rogers at Mississippi State. He's been balling to begin the year. And another guy that really did a number on App State's defense earlier this year in Drake May. Those are the only three guys ahead of Austin Reed. He's putting up ungodly numbers this year, and I couldn't be more happy for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've we've watched a lot of good quarterbacks play so far, and most of them have been in the conference. We got to see Drake May on display against App State, so I think – We could even probably power rank the best quarterbacks we saw out of all the weeks of football, as far as non-conference quarterbacks who have come and played against Sun Belt teams. So it's cool that you have that connection. I'm kind of jealous that you were on the microphone talking about sports before me and you were, but I'm gonna let it slide for now. But definitely excited to watch this game for sure.
0: I think another big thing in this game too is just Troy's passing attack in general. It's been so good this year, and but they're gonna play a Western Kentucky team that has been pretty solid in that category. Um, you know, Troy, they're averaging over 340 yards a game through the air this season, 10th best in the country. And again, they trail teams like Mississippi state, Georgia, Tennessee. Like you understand the teams that they are fighting against in that category. I'm just curious to see if it's going to be able to stand up against Western Kentucky this weekend.
1: Yeah. I think one of the biggest like things that probably isn't talked about a lot is this Western Kentucky defense has to go up against this explosive attack all week long, all off season long. So I think. Troy's been a little bit newer to this air raid style of offense, but Western Kentucky's kind of been built for it for a while. So I'm very curious to see the defensive stamina matchup in this one. I think Western Kentucky is going to be going out in this one and saying, okay, we're about to play an offense that's a a junior version, a, a little brother version of what we've been running. So we got this in the bag and they might even relax a little bit. But I think Troy, on the other hand, they got to step up to the occasion and keep up with one of the offenses that's been perennial throughout the last couple of years of college football as far as throwing the ball. So I'm super excited to see which team is going to step up to the occasion. I mean, obviously, they held a Marshall team to 16 points, yes or seven points, sorry, last week, and they did it in a very, very, very different way. Probably had a completely reversed week of practice, take everybody out of the box. We don't have to stop Laybourne. We have to stop every single receiver out wide. So it's going to be interesting to see how they adjust to the different matchup they just played, because... Western Kentucky is just coming up from a, a walk in the park game against FIU where they just had a complete 73 to 0 shutout.
0: Yeah, they're coming into this matchup forty seven and a half points per game on the season. So it'll be interesting to see if that changes the only teams that they're currently trailing in the country right now. Michigan, Oklahoma State, Ohio State, Tennessee and Alabama. It just goes to show how good the offense has been to begin the year. Well, that's all the games we're going to preview. And now, Caden, we get to move into our favorite segment each week. And that's uh, when we make our picks and look like fools by the end of the weekend. But we give it a shot here on Friday and see how things go. We'll start with South Alabama in Louisiana. Um, Caden, the current line on this game, South Alabama, is a nine-point favorite on the road in Louisiana. The over-under on this game has continued to go down throughout the week. It stands at just 47.5. I don't know if that is you know, maybe a lack of faith in that Louisiana offense. But, you know, I look at 47 and a half, Caden, I'll just go ahead and go first here. But I like USA to cover in this game. I really think South Alabama is the better team going into this one. The only thing that gives me a little bit of pause is the Raging Cajuns' success at home. But I think this is finally the year that South Alabama gets the the monkey off their back. I think they're going to beat Louisiana at home. They're going to completely destroy my pick in the West. But um, I think that's how it's going to go. Here's the interesting thing. Again, the over-under continues to slip. It sits at 48 or 47 and a half. I'm going to take the over in this one simply because I think South Alabama has enough weapons to get to 47 and a half by themselves in this game.
1: Yeah, I agree with most of what you said right there. Obviously, everyone on earth, everyone who listens to this podcast knows who I'm picking for this one. It's South Alabama. I've been picking him since the beginning of the season, and my confidence in that pick has just gone up and up and up super proud of this team and Kane Walmack and what they've done and you just have to like the trajectory of what they're doing right now versus what ULL is doing I mean ULL is just simply a hard team to pick in this one but I will say I do think ULL covers I think this is my last hope my last ditch effort we have been saying every week hopefully ULL this hopefully they do that I think my last ditch effort I'm not willing to pick them this game but I do think they have the championship pedigree and the big game play experience to keep this one close so I do think they keep it close but I'm taking the over in the points in this one as well I think South Alabama is going to push the pace of this one. I think ULL is going to have to catch up with them and try to keep up with what they're doing as far as pace on offense goes. But I don't think they can score 47 necessarily by themselves because this ULL defense is pretty good. But I think they are going to push this game and ULL is going to be forced to keep up with them. And I think by the nature of that, I think if South Alabama hits 30, ULL hit 10, they'll hit 20. They'll try to keep up with them the whole game. So I'm going to take the over on the points of that as well.
0: Here's the next game, and Caden, we might disagree on this one. I'm I'm interested to see how you feel about this, but Coastal Carolina, Georgia Southern, Coastal comes in a ten and a half point favorite. The over under sits at 62. I'm going to let you go first here.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to go Coastal Carolina to win this one. I think they're they're just their pedigree is too hard. I think them, them getting those corners back is going to be very very good for their offense, and hopefully Grayson will get his first shot to play this Georgia Southern team that he has. But I think the offense is too efficient. I think that if you look at both teams. Super, super high scoring offenses. I think that 62 is going to get blown out the water. I think both of these defenses haven't haven't really proved they can keep the other team from scoring less than 30 points super consistently. So give me the over on the points in this one. But I do think that Georgia Southern keeps it close. I think they keep it within 10 and a half. So I'm going to take them covering in that nature but give me closer to win georgia southern to cover and give me the over on the points
0: well we agree on the over but we're going to disagree on this game and that's because wow. i'm taking number Georgia's... one of the
1: power rankings i know
0: i'm wow. they're going they're going down this week and it is uh some eastern division chaos i think it's going to be aided by hurricane ian in this one uh i like georgia southern to win this game when we talked last week we talked about how georgia southern if they wanted to get bowl eligible if they wanted to get bigger in the upper echelons of this conference, they would need to pull off kind of a shocking victory. This is my shocking victory here in week five. Georgia Southern going to take down Coastal Carolina at home. Caden, I think this game is going to be an absolute shootout, and this might harken back to some games that we saw when both of these programs were FCS programs. Back in 2007-2010, Coastal lost two games in Conway to Georgia Southern. The average number of points scored combined between those two teams in those games, 72 and a half points. I think we're going to see that again this weekend. I think Coastal Carolina and Georgia Southern are going to be in a shootout, but give me Georgia Southern. I do think this game could be decided by a touchdown in this one uh, because I think there's going to be that much scoring, but I'm also taking the over. But that's probably my big upset of the weekend. Um, you know, now we move on to a game that, Caden, I didn't even have to look into this game to make my decision on. I typed out the line and I said, done. I already know who I'm going with. James Madison at Texas State. JMU is a 22-point favorite. Uh, over-under sits at 50 in this game. I don't always love those games that start to get to the high you know, favorites because it becomes easier for the losing team to cover the spread. Um, but I think James Madison is just going to overpower Texas State Uh, This weekend. So give me James Madison to cover and win. I am going to take the over because I think James Madison is going to put up the bulk of the points.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is kind of a no brainer. As much as I love the strength of Texas states, um, defensive back room and how they've been playing right now. I just don't think it's going to be enough to keep Todd Sente on that offense from mowing and that defense from being absolutely dominant as they've proven week in and week out so far. So I'm taking James Madison too. I'm gonna keep it short on this one. I think they are going to cover. I think the 22 points they're going to win by more than that. And but give me the under on the points. I think it's going to be an interesting pace and a weird one. I think it's going to be one of those where Texas State gets up a little bit. Maybe the foot gets off the gas a little bit. We saw them play in the first half of the App State game versus the second half, and it's going to be a very Interesting as far as the, the tempo and the scoring goes. So I think it's gonna be a little bit more wonky with the scoring. I think it's gonna be a close one, but I'm gonna take the under just barely on the points. Just expecting some some weird Texas chaos, some weird point scoring and bursts of lulls of scoring and a lot of versus not scoring. So give me the under on the points, give me James Madison to win, but I think they do cover.
0: Next up, old Dominion versus Liberty. Liberty comes in as a three-point favorite. Over under sits at 41 and a half in this game. okay Now I'm gonna let you go first.
1: Yeah, I, give me Old Dominion at home, man. I really like what Old Dominion has going on at home this year. They're not favored in this matchup, but they haven't been favored at home very often this year. I like what they got going on the offensive side of the ball. We were talking before about which offense is going to show up. This pick is really me banking on the offense, sh- the offense showing up from Last week into this game, so give me them at home. Give me Hudson on the sideline. I think Old Dominion is going to win this one, so they're going to cover it. I'm also going to take the over on the points, like we, like I just said. I think they're going to have some more things figured out on offense. I think the dual threat quarterback they'll be playing will give them some problems, but their defense will be able to combat that with that combat that with that pass rush they have. So I'm going to take the over on the points in this one. Old Dominion to win and cover.
0: Man, I thought we might get my favorite quote since we've started this podcast, and that was your pick back in week one. Give me liberty, or give me death. Give me death. In this, in this one, I agree with you, actually. I really think Old Dominion is going to come out on top, and it's because this game is at home. If this game was being played on Liberty's campus, I'd be taking Liberty in this game. But because it's at home at SB Ballard, I think that Old Dominion has a really good shot at winning this game. I think we're going to see the over covered in this. It's a little low, it feels like, at 41.5, despite some of the struggles by ODU on offense. Here's something to notice in this one. Old Dominion, they've won five straight at home. They're currently 1-1 one and one against teams from Virginia this year. They really should be 2-0. and They nearly took down Virginia other than that late field goal. So give me all to you to win in this game, and I'm also going to take the over on this contest. And I did also, before we move on to the next game, I wanted to say how excited I was for a very specific Twitter follower this week. Yes, Our sir. Our new Twitter account, Frarian Smith Podcast, has officially been followed by Hudson our favorite puppy dog up at ODU, someone that we're really excited to meet at some point. So that was the highlight of my week. I don't think anything will top that heading into this next week. Um, But let's talk about two more games here. ULM, Arkansas State. Arkansas State, seven-point favorite coming in, over-under sits at 59, meaning that Vegas expects to see points scored in this one. I'll go ahead and go first here. ULM lost last year in this matchup, 27-24. I think Arkansas State is coming... For revenge in this one, I think you're going to see a really strong game out of James Blackman. I think this young team is about to get a statement win over ULM. I don't think that momentum is going to carry over from Louisiana. So give me Arkansas State in this one to win and cover. I'm going to take the over.
1: We see eye to eye a lot in this one. I think Arkansas State is going to win this one too. I just think if you look at both of these teams, I think ULM might be drinking some of their own Kool-Aid a little bit this week, feeling themselves a little bit, but they're definitely about to see a lot different of a passing attack than last year. I think if you look at last year's game as well, Lane Hatcher started that game and he threw for 400 yards. So I think Blackman is going to play in a big game in this one as well. Try to do the same thing and match that energy. So give me Arkansas State to win this one. Give me them to cover as well. But I'm going to take the under on the points. I think... ULM's defense shows up a little bit more than we expect in this one. And I think maybe it takes a little bit more for that offense to get going on the Arkansas state side. Cause we talked about some of those younger players they have and some of that inexperience bouncing back from a game. So I think this one might be a little bit slower to start kind of like it was last week for ODU and kind of how it was last week for ULM. So give me Arkansas state to win, give me them to cover, but I'm going to take the under on the points just barely in this one.
0: Interesting picks there. And, I'll be interested to see where you land on this next one, and that's Troy at Western Kentucky. I know you have some bad memories of that Western Kentucky <laughs> offense. Western Kentucky comes in a five and a half point favorite in this game. The over/unders it feels super low at fifty six, and that's crazy to think. Um, Caden, how about you? Um, how about you go first on this one?
1: Yeah, I mean, like we talked about, I still have nightmares about this offense and this is not going to be the week that I bet against them. (laughs) Give me Western Kentucky in this one. I think they cover as well. And I think obviously I think both of us safe to say that the points over is going to be taken on this one. I think we talked about it. Troy has been playing some very, very good football. They've had some explosive moments and some explosive games on offense. I just do not see it being able to keep up with that explosive offensive attack that Western Kentucky has. I think they've proven week in and week out that they can blow the doors off of any defense and score at a very, very high level. It's going to be a very big challenge for Troy, I think, personnel-wise, and it's just as far as not necessarily the team they're playing, but just the personnel they're playing and the scheme they're playing. It's going to be very, very hard for what they have to stop what Western Kentucky has. So give me Western Kentucky to win, give me them to cover, and give me the over on the points.
0: Kane, okay, we know that I love controversial picks on this pod. And I'm Uh-oh. about to disagree with you on about everything that you just said. Western Kentucky, wow. they come in with a high-flying offense. But Troy's defense, to me, has shown the ability to slow down really good teams this year. They held an App State team that had scored 61 points a couple weeks prior to that to just 28. Looked really good in that game. And that was without Carlton Marshall and his helmet. Um, I think Troy is going to win this game. Um Troy is one of the hottest teams in the country right now. They should be winners of three in a row. If You know, again, I'm still not giving App State credit for that Hail Mary victory. Um, I really wanted to take Western Kentucky just because of my relationship with Austin Reed, but I really think Troy's defense is going to do a number on him. Uh, So give me Troy to win, and here's where I'm going further off the rails. Give me the under in this game. Troy's defense is going to have an outstanding performance this weekend. They're going to win, and we're going to be having conversations about them in South Alabama playing in a couple weeks for what will be the game that decides the Western Conference.
1: I like the pick. I mean, we're obviously riding for the sun, but I'm going to be rooting for Troy. But we saw Carlton Marshall's helmet last week. It was very battered up. Hopefully he can replace that helmet and replace his cleats with some track spikes because it's definitely going to be a track meet and a lot of running and covering. Well, that does it for this podcast. We really appreciate y'all listening. Like, subscribe apple and spotify give us some love and like we mentioned before we have a new twitter account at ferry and smith give us a follow and show us some love on social media so thank you guys so much for listening we're super excited about this and we'll see you on monday for our recap of week five's action